Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. The If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data and Joto PR. I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Daniel Glickman of Wave.Video about video marketing. Daniel's the CMO of Wave.Video and the chief operator of the CMO Confessions blog, podcast, and newsletter. Daniel, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. So the topic, video marketing, obviously your company, Wave.Video, very heavy in that kind of stuff. Can you give a quick kind of overview of what you do there, what your company does? Well, me as CMO, I'm responsible for the, all the marketing and PR activities and you know, positioning, all this kind of stuff that you know, CMO does in a startup. Uh, the company was founded back in 2013, um, where we have another product called Animatron. Launched Wave.Video uh, after doing some extensive market research in 2017. And that took off right away. So uh, Wave.video essentially is a uh, video marketing platform, which means it's a, it's a place where you can create videos, host them, repurpose them. So for example, if you have a podcast recording, you can turn it into a video. You got a video, you can turn it into a podcast and so on and so forth. So there's uh, lots of different things you can do with video on our platform. And yeah, that's in a nutshell, that's what we do. Fantastic. So it, it has like people be able to upload a video and edit it and add text over it or uh, their own overlay of logos and, and that kind of stuff. Is that kind of the basic? Yeah, that's the core functionality, uh, the video editor. And then around it, there's also video hosting. So you can host a video. So, mm-hmm. and you can combine all of these. So say you, you upload a video, uh, be it a webinar recording or a, um, or, or just any video, or you can create one from scratch, right? But you, you host it with us and then you can embed it. You can create video landing pages of it. But a lot of times you want to take a video and just manipulate it a bit, maybe add an intro, maybe put text on top of it, maybe cut it in just a, a bit and clean out some of it. Chop out so, some of the ums. We never do that in this show, of course, yeah. but yeah. With video, it's not as uh, urgent as it is with podcasting. So I have a podcast myself and I do a lot of live shows. And uh, when I started working on the podcast, I was really surprised as to how sensitive that medium is to, to audio. And it was really interesting because a lot of people who were great on video, I brought them into the podcast and they sounded terrible because you don't see them, right? right. And you just hear them. And all of a sudden, sound comes in and, and also the, 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 the way they speak didn't, just didn't work in that medium. So it's interesting that video allows you a lot more freedom, if you will. It's a lot more flexible and it's a lot more toler- tolerant, especially I guess if you're the, doing live video. The more information you're giving people, the less critical every piece of that is. So when all you have is audio, the audio better be good. Um, yes. We'll probably have the audio start cutting out from poor internet connection because all my neighbors are streaming uh, Netflix or something now. But um, but then you really have to nail that if that's all you've got. But when you have the video, it, it makes it a little less, little less, little less, the more you can add on uh, kind of critical. There's the visual element. There's also the psychology of video. So kinds of video, right? Everything from stories, uh, live videos, webinars, and which in the B2B space we do a lot. That is our major video marketing activity, right? Um, to just storytelling video, those simple videos you see on Facebook and LinkedIn where it's some kind of stock footage 
with text on top of it and it just tells a story. You also have uh, customer testimonials, uh, explainers, so lots and lots of different videos in our archives that we create. And oftentimes we, we kind of bring pieces of them and want to reuse them. So the biggest thing that in B2B we see happening is that people just don't, they don't reuse the videos. They create these right. amazing webinars. They put a lot of work into it. 10 people saw the webinar and then it just sits there and it's done. Right. They promote that, it once, whatever happens, happens, and then it's done. dark data yeah. somewhere. And then for some, exactly. And for some odd reason, after all of that work you put into it, we rush to create a, a new piece of content instead of reusing that one, right? Where's the logic in that? And it's hard to explain why this happens, but it's purely because of process, not because of logic. And so one of the things we, we preach a lot at Wave.video is to really reuse and repurpose. You can take that webinar recording, upload it to our platform, or do it manually, if you will, you know, with different editing software. So is and your platform a bit of a content management also? Is that, does it have some of that in it, or would it kind of tie in with content management? How would you define content management? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like saying, is it a CRM? Is it a this? Is it that? Everything's kind of blended together. Yeah. Uh, so I say a bit of. It has some elements of the ability to manage the videos in a way that makes them more accessible to your marketing team to, to continue finding and using. Yeah, so that's definitely something we are very interested in empowering our marketers. Uh, essentially, if you upload your videos to a platform, they're all accessible inside a big um, a database and mm -hmm. you can easily organize them in folders and search them and so on. Um, so yeah, so, and, and then we have team, uh, uh, somewhat of a team functionality. So you can log in and different people can log in and, and find the videos. So definitely we have some users that use this feature for just, you know, an archive to organize all their videos and just find them. Yeah. And if you embed all the videos from us as well, then you can actively um, manage the content in the video as well. So one of the things that we do that's unique to us is you can edit a video after it's been published. So say you have a video on your website that says, uh, hey, we've got uh, you know the latest model of something. It's the CX32B. Mm -hmm. And well, a year passes and now it's the CX32X, right? And that's a big deal. Right? You just go in, edit, type the text, and you're done. You don't have to rebuild the whole video. So it's wherever you push it, it's kind of, it's pulling from that content. I'll, I'll go ahead and give you content management um, sure. hub so that when you edit it there, other places it's updated at kind of. Correct. So you don't even oh, need to nice. worry about, hey, where uh, we have got all these videos floating around in our different places on our website and in our uh, you know, knowledge base and all kinds of places. And yeah, some, some of them are going to be just floating independently. They're hosted in some other spot and we don't really know what's going on there. Like on Facebook, right. they, it's, it's closed system. But if you have demos or something like that and your product changes, so you update the demo and now it's like, oh, we got to go find everywhere it is. If it's pushed out from a central hub, you don't have to go find everywhere. You don't have to worry about it as much. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier to find and, and, and clean up and edit or, or remove or what have you, replace. Makes sense. Yeah, I think we had a um, um, guest on, or I know we had a guest on, and uh, I love his book, Randy Frisch. Last last year, I, I'm sure I got his name uh, wrong. There, his last name's impossible. Uh, July of last year, episode 49 of our podcast, he wrote a book called "Fuck Content Marketing." They are a content marketing company, um, and uh, the point of that book 
was use the content you have. Stop creating something new every single day. When you have a ton of content, make sure you're actually using it when you create it. It's like you're saying, don't do the webinar and have it, people came and watched or they didn't and it's gone. It's like repurpose the shit out of stuff before you keep creating new and new and new and new and new and new. Right, I mean, we keep chasing that viral piece of content. We have this belief that if it didn't get a lot of engagement, a lot of views, it's because of the content. Right. But it, it's funny because we're marketers. We should know it's all about the marketing. Right? Yeah. The snow does the first snowflake doesn't stick. You have to keep throwing it kind of, and eventually it starts sticking. The, the topic of video marketing in general, let's dig into that. You guys have this platform and you push stuff out. Is there somewhere in particular people should be pushing? Like what's the most popular place to push videos or the most effective place right now? Oh. Gosh, that's a loaded question. I mean, it really depends. If you're if you're in the gaming industry, right, video games, and Twitch is the place to be. If you're um, if you're if you're looking to monetize your videos to build a, a viewership that you where you monetize for ads, YouTube is probably the number one, right? If you're looking to generate leads, then it depends on your audience. It's probably Facebook or or, or LinkedIn, um, and and if you're looking to generate views, then uh, then then it's probably uh, uh, Instagram, right? So, and then and then plus there's the rest of the world where you have uh, WeChat and, and and of course teenagers and Snapchat. There's so many different uh, possibilities. So the answer really really varies, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners today come from many different industries. It's very hard to just say right. one answer it's it's a blanket answer for all it's the classic marketing thing of where should you market where your audience is where your it's, audience it's whichever is platform your audience is on that that's where you should yeah. be going it isn't like uh tiktok you have to be on now and forget about facebook or something like that it's it's wherever your audience is it's not it's not where they're on it's where they hang out and want right. to get your kind of content right so if you're looking for plumbers they hang out by the home depot Right. If you're looking for um, now, do plumbers also go on Facebook? Yeah, but do they want to hang out there and 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 consume talk content plumbing? there? <laughs> maybe, maybe in a group, right? Yeah. So maybe when they're in the maybe when they're in an office, they find a group about uh, and they have a question. They'll they'll hop over to a group about plumbing, and they'll find out. They'll definitely go to YouTube to find you know, how-to videos. Sometimes when they run into a problem, they can't they're not familiar with. Everybody goes to YouTube to find an answer for a problem they aren't familiar with, right? I've so, learned more from YouTube than my probably my whole education. <laughs> um, and, okay, so interesting. Yeah. When you look, so when you're looking at a platform, yeah, I, I see on LinkedIn sometimes people post stuff, and my comment is, I think you put this on the wrong platform. This is <laughs> in Facebook. Like it's it's being on the right platform for the content, not even just for your audience, but what's the content you're trying to get them to absorb. You may be again, a plumbing company, but if you're making 10 minute comedic shorts about the plumbing industry, it's, you know, where are people looking for that kind of content? Is that what you're saying? Not, not just where are people yeah. looking for plumbers? Exactly. So if they're right. So the, so if your target is the, is the, is the plumber, right. Then the plumber is on LinkedIn, maybe once a year uh, on Facebook, once a, once a day, and uh, or maybe once you know twice a day, and maybe and uh, maybe maybe they're on uh, uh, Twitter or on um, 
I just blanked out. Like, I can't believe I blanked out. Right? <laughs> so maybe on TikTok more often, right? You'd probably find, you know, younger plumbers on TikTok. And if you're doing something comedic, maybe that's the place where they want to spend their break. So there's a funny psychology around breaks and uh, work breaks, right? So the, the studies show that people during the workday, during work hours, are actually more on Facebook. And during the weekends, they're on LinkedIn when they're searching for jobs, et cetera. And this is really interesting. So why are they on Facebook during work? Because they want a break from what they're doing. But at the same time, they also feel a bit guilty uh, going, we feel a bit guilty, right? I'm at work now. So if I'm on an official lunch break, yeah, I can do whatever I want. But if I'm just at my desk and I need a five minute break, I feel a bit guilty going now on TikTok or doing something completely random. Uh, People won't view it you know, in the most positive eye, right? If I'm just watching Netflix while I'm in the office. So I would do something that's like semi uh, personal. So maybe go into like a group or go on Facebook where you know, people are talking semi-business there, right? They got my, my buddies there. So, um, so you, can, you can see that people are all over the place. They're everywhere. And it's just finding that right fit. And you find it by trying and by asking your audience, right? So you can ask them, if you ask people answer, what kind of content would you like me to put out or to create here? Right. And more often, they will tell you. And I suppose, I mean, also you can A-B test is a form of asking too. Sometimes you can't quite ask, but you can put out multiple pieces of content and see which one gets the most traction and then try to amplify that. Right. Yeah, and then there's amplification as well, which is putting some ads behind the um, the content. But you shouldn't do that until after it's gotten some organic traction. Uh, so don't, so because, don't start paying for it until you know there's going to be something. People aren't going to completely ignore it. Well, yes. So one is to see, you know, first, if it got organic traction, then, you know, it's going to get, it's going to do better than the ones that didn't get organic traction. The other thing is let the organic reach happen before you start paying why pay if you're going to get the organic reach for it right so don't pay for something you could get for free right so just wait it out for a day and then and then start paying i've seen more and more platforms are kind of killing the organic reach because they don't get paid for that it's like when you if you start a new social media platform everything's organic and you're like hey do you just post and everybody sees it and goes every and now i can post something very specific to my specific group of friends on facebook and only some of them even see it I'm saying like, Hey, who's going to do X, Y, Z. And they just decide like to kind of smatter it around here and there. It, it seems like they lock down more and more, the more successful they get, the more they restrict the organic and um, want to make you pay for it. Now, ultimately if it's marketing, okay, if you can get exposure to everybody for free, great. But if you have to pay for it also, as long as you can get exposure to the proper audience. Right. And this brings up a really good point, which is really interesting for B2B marketers today. I think it's a mind shift for B2B. The, like you mentioned, if it's just my friends that see the content, it means I want to be friends with my customers or my prospects. Right. So, and that means that I, me as an individual, am now part of the picture of the company mar- uh, messaging and the company marketing. So, if we have, say we have a Facebook group or LinkedIn uh, activity or some, some sort, or I'm a salesperson, right? I want to do a lot of the social selling where I make personal connections with people. And then I go on a video uh, or I post a video and I, and, I, and I tag them or I don't tag them because I've had engagement with them, right? So 
that kind of stuff is very important. My personal brand is more critical than ever as part of the infrastructure of the company brand or the company um, uh, outreach mechanisms. So I guess with video, each individual salesperson and sales development rep and marketing person, it, it's almost like not all of them, but many of them, it starts to become important for them to be a spokesperson for the company visually. Now there, there are, it's like you have all, so many mascots now because you have to connect with these people in order for them to see your content that you can market, you know, to get the exposure. Um, like, so you, you said you have to become friends with them all. Yeah. You have to, you know, both mechanically be a friend, friend of theirs by connecting or friending. Right. And the other is actually be a human being. So, uh, be, be interested in their life and be inter interesting for their life and, and share a bit of yourself. So when we, sometimes we hear about salespeople and we know some companies where the sales team or the sales staff are, are not the kind of people that you would really want to be associated with, but we tolerate them. And you can think of car dealerships, right? Mm -hmm. uh, well, that's changing in this methodology because if, if the salesperson has to connect with me in order to get that reach, then that means I, the salesperson needs to be a human being that's sim more similar to me. Right. I need to see them as a human being. That's so interesting. That, yeah. I've said this before on, on this podcast, but I don't remember how long ago it was. It seems like if it's not already, and I know it is in our company, but a decent part of the hiring practice when you're hiring both sales and marketing people is how many Twitter followers do they have? What's their following on this social media? What's their following on that social media? And you can have people where you were like, well, this sales guy, you know, not as good in the interview, but he's got way more followers online. And ultimately what you're looking at is saying, this is going to equate to more sales. He may not be as good a salesperson, but he sure as hell is better at developing followers. And those friends are going to be his buyers. Um, so it's becoming a hiring metric base. Basically it's your new Rolodex as a salesperson of, of uh, people that you can reach out to is how many followers on social media. That's what you're paying for sometimes. Right. So it's, it's, it's the number of followers. It's the influence you have, right? We all have influence. And so what kind of influence do I have? How do I, how do I show it? And when I, how does that benefit my employer? So when I'm, when I'm out there making videos or, or interviews like these, right, I'm thinking exactly of these things. I'm thinking, okay, Dan, you're, you're talking now to Daniel. Daniel happens to be the CMO at Wave.video. That's his job. But what I'm really interested in listening to and uh, or seeing, if we were on video, would be who is who is this Daniel? What what does he have to tell me? What can I learn from Daniel? Right? Daniel is the one with the influence here, not wave that video. But in the end of the day, that brings my, uh, my wave that video the, the benefits. They're the ones that can monetize it. They're the ones that can systemize it. Right? And that's why I'm doing this. Right. So as a salesperson. People might, or marketing, want to look at it and say, you're not just bringing yourself to the table, you're bringing your following to the table. And if you, for your own career, if you can develop, um, develop videos and develop a community of people, you can walk into a job interview and you almost don't need to say anything. I mean, I could, I could imagine people that I would hire and I'm like, I don't care if you know how to sell. I don't care if you're not I'm basically hiring an influencer here. Look. You have all these followers in our niche that I know you can get your message. Any message we ask you to put in front of them directly in front of them. 
it's just like you just put it down and you're like look twitter followers linkedin facebook do i have the job or not like do you want all this <laughs> it, it seems like it's a um it, it's a bizarre addition to the um to the interview process but if you start developing and video is a big way of doing this that audience you can kind of have what the job you want. Like people want you, you're an influence. You're not just a salesperson. You're an influencer now. An influencer, yeah. And when I joined my previous employer, uh, Rudrum, it's a, it's a, uh, sort of a boutique, um, customer journey management platform. Right. And, um, so it's by definition, the target audience is very small, very small number of, of, uh, contacts and leads in the CRM. And I, when I joined, I sent out a newsletter to my followers and said, hey, you know, look at this company I just joined. I'm really excited. Check it out. And we had this like spike on our website more than any newsletter that the brand oh. sent. And they were like so impressed. So that's the kind of thing where it's like, yeah, that's, it's, I'm genuinely say, telling this story. Uh, I can genuinely want to film some of what's going on in the company. Uh, I will go, I would, I, at Wave Video, I, I've gone live in our different offices. We have an office in St. Petersburg, Russia. And I go there whenever I'm allowed to, uh, when there's no oh. virus epidemic, right? And I work there. And I like to take videos there and show and show everybody, look, this is the team. And this is who we work. You know, we have an office in Russia. Isn't that kind of cool? And everybody's like asking questions and what is it like? And they're kind of intrigued. And I want to show them, look, these are very smart people. They're great. They're awesome. They're people you can trust. They're people you should, you've, you've talked to them before. You know them by name, but now you know who they are and where they are. And, you know, a lot, a lot of our, our team members are kind of shy and they don't want to get on camera uh, or what have you. They, for, for many different reasons, that's just not their thing. And some, and some look for the opportunities, but they don't really um, have the structure to do it. They want the structure. They don't just want mm -hmm. to hop on a, hey, you know, I'm more spontaneous. I just hop in a, in a camera and, and stop talking. You've got and, experience. Uh, it takes <laughs> the first, when you start, it's, uh, it's unnerving and uh, yeah, right. awkward and whatnot. But with, you know, with experience, you get used to it. But, but to your point, it's, a, it's my personal view on what's happening, right? It's my personal take. And those I put on my personal profile. I also do other stuff that are not directly related to the company in order to build this um, credibility to build my brand and uh and then if, if, and if if you you could look at it as if hey my 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 company is sponsoring daniel's brand they're, the, they're my my biggest sponsor they're my biggest you know you could sort of look at it that way and say yeah they're you know that's that's <laughs> i'm a brand ambassador in that sense yeah i mean you're in marketing so you knew when you started there to put out this you know this notice that hey i'm here but i I feel like I would require any new hires to do that in that position. I would say, by the way, part of your contract is we're not just hiring you to go through the steps and do this work. We're hiring your brand kind of to promote us. Um, and it seems companies should make sure anytime they're hiring someone that has a following that that's, that's part of the job is to promote the company on their channels that you're, right. if you're going to hire them because they have this following and then not require they use it on your behalf, then, you know, you're hiring something that in, you know, maybe they say, Oh yeah, I don't really want to, you know, have all my followers like to 
push your product to them. And you're like, well, great. Then you don't have a job here because that's what we're paying. Like you don't pay an influencer to not influence to be like, right. sorry, I can't put your brand on, on, on my, uh, in front of my people. It's like, well, that's part of what you were hired for. So like I said, if you're going to hire somebody because they have a following in your, in your demo and you want to make sure the message gets in front of that following, make sure when you hire them that that's part of the deal and they know it. And not right. just know it, but maybe it's in the contract. Like they are required to use their um, platforms to, to put you in front of their audience. Right. And, and it also helps with the sales process. So uh, when you're doing a webinar, uh, it helps if when you're when you get on that webinar, you're seen as a bit of a celebrity. So part of what I do is I do different uh, live shows. I did one just a couple of hours ago, and you know, and I invite different guests, and I'm trying to build my reputation so people know. Oh, Daniel! Daniel talks to a lot of smart people. Daniel is smart. Uh, we've heard Daniel speak before. And then if I show up on a webinar, the credibility is already there. I don't have to pay. Uh, and a, strong, a big influencer to come into my webinars to kind of give the credibility is already in there, right? Because you built yours as well. If you're nobody, like, why do you think I have you on to make me look good, Daniel? You're making me look smart because people say, Daniel's smart. Now I must be smart too. Um, no, but so that's another side benefit. Building that audience is, and I feel like we're barely talking about video now. Um, yeah. Building it with video. I'll keep adding that in there. Building that audience then the more credibility you have, the more you can invite people with credibility to interact with you. And it's like you, you, you guys are uh, cross, um, um, I don't know what words I'm looking for. You're exchanging credibility and uh, boosting each other's signal a bit by, uh, by doing that. So I remember in the early days of this podcast, it's a struggle to get people on when you have no episodes out. Um, so you start inviting clients on and whoever you can get. And then after a while, once people see, oh, this is real and, and this, you know, people know what they're doing. Suddenly we have a hard time getting recordings out because we have too many people trying to get on and you have to turn people down because that's what you want to get to is build the right. credibility to the point where now you are, are not just trying to feed off other people's credibility, but, but cross, cross that stuff over back right. to video. Though. Back, it. Right. back to video. <laughs> So let's yeah, say so, people want to make a video. Um, yeah. Can you give like just some tips on things not to do, things to do, things not to worry about, that kind of stuff? Like how can people start making a decent video of any type? Of any type. So, okay. So there are a few different types of videos. If you're, if you're new to video and you don't feel comfortable getting on camera, for instance, there's a solution for that. And it's called stock footage, right? So uh, we have a library of stock footage. You can also get on different um, websites like Shutterstock, etc. Like a karaoke bar, we, right? You got the horse running through the field. Yeah, exactly. You can do something kind of like that. And then you put text on it. Right? So this actually works quite well. And if you, if you pay attention to it, you'll see it all over social media. And some examples of who does it really well are the BBC News, The Economist magazine, they they do they're they've turned this into a science where they, they really take their articles and they just put them in a video form they put the text on video and then they just find the background uh, videos that kind of match that context and it works and there's something easier about reading one sentence or two sentences at a time than than seeing a long text and say okay now i'm gonna sit down and, and right. kind of concentrate i've got so to try it, to chew this whole page yeah. of text and put it out on video 
Um, you can edit video, right? I mean, you can do one, like you said, one sentence at a time. You can do bullet points and just kind of riff through it yeah. and then do another take and another take and edit them together. Right. So if you're so if you're good with PowerPoint, this will be a piece of cake for you, right? So one simplest way to do is if you're if you've got a blog post, right? Take the titles, the H2 titles from the blog, like just the ones you put in there. Um, and use them as bullet points in your video, one per scene. Just bring them right into the video editor. You can use Wave.video. You can use anything, any tool for this, really. Just put one per scene and then find a background video that matches from the library. And that's it. So if the intro is about, you know, uh, discusses the problem, if your problem is uh, like machinery failure, then, okay, that's your text. And then search in the database machinery failure and you'll see like broken machines. Okay, fantastic. Just put it there. So it's that easy once you get the hang of it. That's that's one option. Like promote different content with video like this. Make intros uh, to uh, to different live shows, so you can take a if you have a, a webinar that's upcoming or a live show, same thing really. You create you create teasers for it. So you make a quick you take a photo of the speaker, a photo of your of the of the host, uh, upload them in, put some text on it. That's it. It gives yeah. throw a little animation in the in the photo, so you don't even have to. You know, when we hear video, we usually think, "Oh, I've got to get on camera." You don't even have to get on camera. That's number one. Number two, if you do get on camera, don't sweat it. It's <laughs> it starts from in any big video personality out there, any big video influencer uh, that you'll watch today. If you could find the stuff that they didn't that they deleted back in the early days which may have been a year ago, maybe even 10 years ago, you would be, you'd see that you can actually do better than them. It's something you, you fail your way through it. And what's great about video is that the tolerance of the audience is, is very high. They will, they will accept a lot of bloopers, a lot of issues, uh, per quality. Yeah. Think about as what you've seen online video wise, but it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad, right? That's the now, bar long, to go to hit. <laughs> as long as you've got something meaningful to share, that's the key. Yeah. So if you're just going to get on just purely for the purpose of getting on and you've got nothing really to to contribute to the world, well, that's a, no matter how good you get, it's not, it's not going to, nobody wants to watch it. Yeah. I've right. seen some of those by accident, but. <laughs> right. And you, that's why when, when you go live, you'll notice that in the first two, three minutes, people are uh, popping in and immediately leave. Right. Because they're like, up. Oh, Nothing here for me. Bye-bye. Sound quality is terrible. No content worth listening to. Yeah. But it's not the, it's not the quality. It's the, it's the content. Right. The quality is something you need to improve on over time because it's part of your brand perception. It's a brand part of saying, look, I'm somebody you can trust. It's about saying, I know what I'm doing here. It's about many different things. But in fact, a lot of times the quality is poor. So exa- for example, if you're at a conference, and you run into somebody, you run into a, a customer, you run into a uh, some speaker that you think has, that's great, and you say, hey, can you get on live with me quickly? And I have a few questions for you I want to interview you on, right? You pull out your phone, the quality is terrible. But people will want to watch that. Why are now? As long as you can hear the them. the only chance you can see it. I guess when I said, when I was thinking bad quality, I've seen videos where you can't tell what the person's saying. So you can't absorb the content because there's so much noise around them. There's the, there's wind blowing across them. I don't know what's going on. It's like, why did you post this? I can't tell what's being said. Can you subtitle it at least? This is silly. 
Right. So you bring up a fantastic point that the captioning is really important. So once you have your video recorded, whether or not it's, the audio is clear, you want to caption it. You want to put on subtitles. Uh, and this has been the number one request we've had from customers. We're, we're rolling out uh, automatic captioning in, a, in two weeks from that today, actually. I've so noticed that. This goes when in the air. I see a video online and they have the captions rolling by in the bottom. It's like your mind is forced to read them. And you stop yeah. even looking at the video. So don't worry about people seeing your face. They're not. They're reading the captions. Even though you can hear the words, something about the human mind, once you learn to read, you can't not read. Like the, you have to look at and read the words. It's so bizarre. So, there, so a few things about captioning, right? So yes, um, what number one, most people still watch videos with the sound off, right? So if they're on a if they're on a Zoom call with you and it's boring, you know how this goes, right? There are ten people, twenty people on a Zoom call, two are talking, everybody else is forced to listen, and you don't care. So you still have to be there. So, you, but you can't listen to anything with sound on because you'd, you'd be called out, right? So, it's you have to have the sound off. That's why subtitles uh, come into play. The other is, like you said, it's captivating. So, what you want to do, you want to make sure that these subtitles are either um, accurate or concise and to the point and branded. So you can give them nice colors. You can give them make the font a little bit bigger. But when people are on the phone, they can't read a tiny subtitle that's you know that YouTube will generate automatically. So does your um, the waved up video does that add subtitles for people? Yep. So that we're launching in two weeks, or by the time the listener our listeners hear this, it'll be launched. It's automatically generated, and you can change the size, the fonts. You can you have a lot of freedom. You can edit them. Can you can you edit the words? So if somebody's saying yes. boring stuff, you can make it more interesting. <laughs> you could. Um, yeah, we can't. Uh, we at this point, and you can trim the video to cut out stuff and the captions. Well, you know, so you can see, oh, this section. I'm just going to cut this whole section out, and you can cut it with the video. So it's pretty cool. Right. Uh, what we what we cannot do today, and maybe not in the next several years, is the ability to change the, the what the person is speaking. So if oh no, like people don't listen nonsense. to what they're saying anyway. <laughs> yeah. When I'm watching a video, if the person says one thing and the subtitles say something else, I'm probably going to yeah. absorb what the subtitle said. Exactly. And oftentimes that is completely legitimate. Mm -hmm. So when we're speaking informally and then it's transcribed, the transcription doesn't quite make sense, right? And you can see this with, um, I'll just say, certain poli known politicians. Let's just it looks, leave it at that. The transcriptions right? can look like gibberish, yeah. <laughs> they look like they just are meaningless. But you yeah. listen to them and and... People get them. The right? intonation adds a lot when you speak in that right. style. When you're kind of right. jumping from idea to idea and stuff, the transcript doesn't tell that, but you can tell with the person. You can tell, right? And so it's completely legitimate to change the transcription. And people will say things like, um, you know, the, 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 the confused terms. For example, I could say, hey, uh, we're on a live right now. We're in, in fact, we're on a podcast. But when I'm but when you're watching me, you get it. You get what it, you, you yeah. kind of realize. Oh yeah, yeah he, he meant podcast, right? Yep. But transcribe that. It's like, hey, wait a second, I caught him. That's not a podcast. That's not live. <laughs> Daniel, you're, you're you know, messed up. So it, when you, you mention politics, okay. I I get annoyed on both sides when people jump on somebody who says a word slightly wrong or the wrong word, and then politically one side or the other, everybody does it. So you jump on the person when they do it. And I'm like, look, we all say the one word 
or mispronounce the word and come back and say it like you, you can't jump on every politician ever either side of the aisle that um stutters through a word or mispronounces a word or says the wrong word you know what they meant like okay somebody has a thick accent don't you don't tease them because the word doesn't sound quite right it's you know what they mean so the the uh subtitles the captions can kind of fix that it makes me think of watching a movie and everybody's probably done it where you try to watch a movie and somehow the the captions are on and you can't figure out how to turn them <laughs> off and it's really difficult to properly watch a movie where you don't need the subtitles the captions and they're on because you find yourself not watching the movie at all you're just reading the movie and i've gotten so annoyed with that before because it's like, how do I turn this off? I want to watch the movie. I don't need to see Fast and Furious. And I don't need to read Fast and Furious. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but in this type of video, uh, very good for you. I want to take a quick break. Um, when we come back, I'd like to get into traction. So you're making a video. You want to make it for a specific audience. You have an idea for your content. But kind of how to get traction, why to get traction, the, the production cost versus traction and, and, and how that works. Um, any different techniques for, um, you know, within cost, getting, getting the traction that you're looking for, that kind of stuff. So we'll take a quick break here and we'll be right back. We're talking with uh, Daniel Glickman of wave.video about video marketing. Hey, check out Smartbug Media. We're an intelligent inbound marketing agency and a HubSpot Elite partner, which means we are one of the top HubSpot partners. We're a full service agency, so we deliver everything from content strategy and development down to paid media and even uh, website execution and, and development. You can check us out at www.smartbugmedia.com and you can also find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and, and Twitter. Welcome back to the If You Market podcast. We're talking here with Daniel Glickman about video marketing. And Daniel, I had a question before the break for you. The balance of cost and traction and viewers and return, how can people balance that? I mean, do they need to put a large initial investment to make sure they have a big punch to get followers, like a you know, building the snowball initially? Um, or is it something that's better trickled out? How, how should people manage that? Yeah, you definitely don't need to put in a big chunk of money. The, um, the, the way to do it, I mean, even the, the TV shows you see or movies, right? It, we look at the movie and we say, oh, the movie had a big, uh, you know, hundred million dollars in advertising and in, in promotion money. Yeah, but that's, but that's, there was a whole history of years and years building up to that point, right? And that movie is following now some kind of uh, formula that they've already replicated. So it started out with some pilot down in some TV network or, you know, some somewhere down below and work its way up over years. And it's the same thing here. You really should not go too big and there's really no point in investing a ton of money. There's not no such expectation unless you're a large consumer brand where the quality and, and you know the, the, you're going big in the first place because you're already big right but then you've already figured it out right. and you probably have a big ad agency behind you so kind of so the size you are if you're big then yeah. yes you have to go big you but if you're big, small yeah. you gotta go small but even then not necessarily they some of them have like very um 
sort of offbeat different uh, different experiments that they do. And you start with an experiment. It's always experimenting, right? So look at your webinars. Start with the stuff you're already doing. What part of your webinars do customers react to very well? And say, you know, can I can I build on that? Can I expand on that? Can I do something that's just a little more open, a little more relevant to a larger audience? Maybe um, maybe it's a little less product specific, and make it more available. And, and can I add one thing to it that'll make it more attractive, and it'll take it up one notch, right? So always be improving. Uh, improve the audio quality once. Improve the lighting quality once. Improve the acting. You know, acting is a lifelong journey. And acting in the business sense is also um, a whole different genre of acting. We don't think of it as such, but it is. So when, when I'm on a li- live show, I'm acting in the sense that I'm much more animated. I'm very conscious about, okay, I cannot stand, sit still. Because in my, you know, normally I just like to sit and listen and I'll just, you know, won't move my head. I won't make a lot of facial reactions. But when you're live, you have to you have to go a bit. You have to dramatize. Be a bit. Add a little more personality, right. a little more color. People right? wear stage makeup for a reason. For a reason. Um, like you, you, so you need to have kind of almost your stage persona, unless you're already super animated. Don't be boring, kind of. Yeah, don't be boring. So be more of yourself. That's what I call it. Right. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Just be more of yourself, right? Um, I like and, that. And Turn yourself up to 11, but yourself up to 11, not some fake character. Not some fake character. And and don't turn up the, the sides of you that you're not interested in other people seeing. For instance, I'm here in my home office right now, and you don't hear my family in the background. They're not part of this story. That's not something I'm interested in sharing. Right, that's not something that they're interested in me sharing. It's not relevant. Right, so I don't know everything about myself, but the parts about myself that I am, uh, I do. I don't try to hide my accent. I've got a funky accent. Nobody can figure out where I'm from. <laughs> funky, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that description. <laughs> and so that's that's part of who I am. I don't try to hide it. I talk about it. I, well, now I, we got to talk about it. Your accent is it East German? <laughs> What? Aha. So the, the way people guess my accent tells me a lot about them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just going off. It sounds, it sounds a bit German, but then you mentioned St. Petersburg, so there might be some Russian influence there. I'm trying to put together what I already know. Right. So, yeah, my, my mother was an uh, uh, American who, well, her father was a Swedish diplomat. So she grew up in Canada. So I've got a little bit of Canadian. I got a a touch of it, right? I lived in Canada for a couple of years too. Um, I got, I grew up speaking English in Israel. So I've got a chunk of that as well. And yeah, and then I, I've lived here in Boston. So I've got, a, you know, I, I probably don't have any of that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I can't even imitate the Boston accent well. It's It's been going, it's been slowly kind of being phased out. It's people, you know, accents are kind of disappearing slowly, slowly. And it's interesting. Uh, yeah, well, so when close. you're around, I, every once in a while, it might come through and people have asked me, um, oh, where are, you, where are you from? What's that accent? Not as much anymore. It seems like I said, it goes way over time. But I used to have kind of a white trash hillbilly accent. <laughs> yeah, and people couldn't figure it out because I'm like, I'm from California. What are you talking about? I'm like, well, I'm kind of from the woods in California, like yeah. way up out in the middle of nowhere. And apparently, we talk a little different there. 
and you don't realize it until you go home and you hear your voice change back to your native <laughs> accent and it's almost horrifying because you can't stop. You feel like you're mimicking people around you and mocking them or something. Um, right. But yeah, you're, the accents fade away and everything. Okay, so we had to get to the bottom of that. This is some hard, yeah. uh, hardcore reporting here. Um, back to video. So the, the production value, the cost of getting in, you're saying basically you want to trickle your way into virality. You're not going to just throw everything down right off the bat. You might take, make, you know, you, you need to make those incremental improvements. And if you invest everything in the, and make, you know, 50 videos, you don't have the opportunity to do that. Uh, correct. And it's, and, and at the end of the day, you know, especially in B2B, how many people are actually going to be watching this? Right. Not that many. So you have to think about. That the, is not encouraging, Daniel. <laughs> not no, that it, many. The, I'm sorry, but. <laughs> not that many. I mean it in the sense that the, the value of every viewer is very high. Right. Right. So that's the differentiation between B2B and B2C. Small audience, high potential value. Uh, B2C, large audience, low potential value per, per right. prospect. Well, theoretically, so, let's say with your yeah. platform, do the users, how quickly and easily can, can they make a video? Can they do one-offs where they're saying, hey, yeah. I just this, uh, this is going to be such a small audience, I'm going to speak to one person and send it to them. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. You could, I mean, for one-on-ones, um, this, yeah, you could still use our platform for sure. There are platforms that are a little bit more uh, specific for that purpose for like um, salespeople and so on, where it's going to integrate your CRMs and all that kind of stuff. But you can definitely still do it. Uh, we're more of a one to, to few or one to many. Right, so I want right. to create a, vi a, a video landing page. I create a quick video with some explanation and I make a landing page of it and shoot it out in my newsletter. Excellent. Yeah, we had uh, Ethan Butte of BombBomb. They do video and email, specifically that one-to-one. -one. I want, Before I mention him, I want to make sure you guys weren't competitors or I would have left yeah. it out. But that was episode 83 if people want to check that out. Uh, yes. A little bit across. That, that was exactly what came to mind when you mentioned that. So that's, that's uh, BombBomb's one. I wasn't... And, um, and a few others. So that's uh, that's a slightly different use case, but that would be a micro targeting, right? You're you're, you're investing one particular um, particular person. We're we're with your we're better when you're for marketers when you're going for a bunch of people, like in a newsletter. Yep. Okay, you can so you're add somewhere between newsletter. network television and bomb bomb kind of. <laughs> sure, <laughs> and that's yeah. So yeah, I I would. Um, the original question was, I think, about production. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. got distracted so, by the accent. And then, uh, yeah, how much money to put in, how to kind of roll it out, the incremental. And how mentioned. quickly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, exactly. So how much money is really, I, would, I wouldn't put more than, you know, 50 to 100 bucks in any video that is a short-lived video, social media kind of video or anything like that, right? That's the value of those things. You can create them very quickly in way video. You can uh, record them on your phone if you're that kind of guy, you know, or gal. Uh, that's fine too. There's um, uh, the, the bigger oh. you get. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's part of being authentic on the show. You know, Live you sneeze attack. You. There we go. <laughs> um, the bigger the bigger the audience, the more you want to put into it. So the video that you're putting on your homepage, the explainer video, yeah, you you probably that might be worth five thousand dollars, right? Uh, maybe 10. Uh -huh. So that's, then you can think, okay, maybe I go custom video there if you need to. 
there's really no there's really no need and then there are ads and uh, all kinds of other videos or intros that are quick but they're important right so an ad maybe is a thousand dollar video uh so maybe maybe spend more money on talent than on uh, or time than on the actual cost so there might be a couple of stock videos you put inside the ad uh, maybe you filmed a customer speaking and saying, you know, singing your praises. So those uh, that would go into it, into the ad as well. But that doesn't cost a fortune. That's just a certain cost you have to you have to deal with. And oh, when and talking the, about cost, yeah. something that that dawns on me that we've ran into with video before is um, music licensing. When you want to put music into a video, you, I've gotten stock music or people I know that produce music and and taking their music and try to put it into a video and like YouTube will block it and say, no, sorry, you have to own it. How can you get music into your videos without them getting blocked? Um, well, there's, it's, uh, you, you buy or you get music that is royalty free. So we, we provide that with our um, platform. You have about 300,000 uh, tracks that are royalty free. And then uh, you can get them also online in various places. You have to buy the rights for it, essentially. Right. So you get yeah. like sound-alike music. You don't have Bruce Springsteen, but you might have Bruce Springsteen um, music, that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. You can get some sound-alikes. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of generic stuff uh, as well that's kind of, I mean, it's going to, that, that particular example is going to be very hard to find something that, that sounds like, sounds convincing enough and it's not, and it's not copyright infringement. Right. Um, okay, sorry to sidetrack you there. It just uh, popped into mind that sometimes with the audio, yeah, you want to put music. So the the way to go is the um, kind of audio library of open source stuff. Right. Okay, excellent. Um, back to the cost and, and, and whatnot. It seems like you're saying the more evergreen a video is, the more people are going to see it, the more to spend. Right. You mentioned keeping it to fifty to one hundred dollars for your average kind of video. When should or could people start seeing traction? I mean, how many videos do they need to put out before they should see the numbers starting to go up a little bit just on viewers? Uh, I mean, it depends on what platform, etc. Some platforms will make a huge difference. Some it won't. Um, and you know, with live shows or YouTube is a long, long-term game, right? So if, if you're going on YouTube and trying to build a YouTube channel, it probably takes a year to start, you know, really growing. So it's consistency uh, there. You need to regularly put stuff out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I'm not a YouTube marketing expert, but there's a lot of, a lot of different factors there, SEO and, and so on as well. Um, there is, when you're looking at, uh, platforms like, um, you know, just Facebook and LinkedIn and all those types. Uh, or where, then it's about then then it's it's about the quality of content, getting people to interact with your content as quick as possible, right? Within the show. So if you you, you should be able to see results pretty quickly. And if it's if it's promotional videos, so say you're promoting your blog post with a video, those are a no-brainer. Those ha those will bring you about three hundred percent more engagement than a link and a link a post, right? So if all you do is paste a link in Facebook and and push it out, then that nowadays those don't work quite as well as video. Video dramatically outpaces them. So you should see that pretty within a week you'll see differences. Now there is a lot of data that shows. 
that if you're posting consistently for around 30 days uh, videos, you will uh, Facebook algorithm will pick up and start uh, promoting you your reach much farther. So they see you're making can, content for them, and then they want to promote it. Basically, yeah, basically yes. So if they're seeing that you're not just a casual video poster, but you're constantly churning out videos, they will promote you um, more so. And of course, that's not easy to do a video every day for 30 days. It's very Is that, challenging. So that consistency there needs to be every day. Yes, uh, that's some of the data I've seen, but I don't think it's. It, I don't think it'll be so terrible if you don't post on the weekends, for instance. Right, it's a little yeah. bit squishy. But so yeah. maybe you want to actually create. 30 days worth of videos and then start rolling them out or make sure you at least know what you're going to create and have it lined up in order to I think that all depends on your style of working. So some organizations are organized, they need time to plan, they need time to film, they need time to to you know they need to have a, a very a script, they need you know everything is sorted out. In those scenarios, yes, absolutely record pre-record a bunch of videos um, and 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 then put, push them out. For others, they're much better improvising. So they might be like, hey, guys, you know, I just wanted to share this with you. We had this new thing in the factory today, and uh, oh, this is a new employee that just joined today. I wanted to just introduce you to him, right, and say hello. And some, some people are really good at that, and that's a video right there, right? That's not a big right. deal. Well, yeah. But I guess if you want to make sure you're getting 30 days in there, um, to start getting traction that way. You want to at least have some bullet points of ideas to fall back on so you don't just have writer's block one or videoers block one day and have nothing. Like here on the podcast, we have question, bullet point questions that we pretty much never get to because yeah. there's always plenty of stuff to talk about. Um, but, uh, you know, questions like, how many unread emails do you have in your inbox right now, Daniel? Oh, uh, my, my email? Let me see. I've got 48. That's pretty good, actually. Not bad. And if you had one marketing superpower, what would it be? Oh, to always be right. <laughs> That's it. I love it. Uh, <laughs> always be right. Um, my motto is we're, we're 60% of the time we're wrong right. about anything. So if I could always be right, I could pick the right stock to buy. I could pick the right ad to show. I could make the right decision every single time. Everything would go so nicely. Yeah, always being right would uh, would be great. So those are the kind of, we have those. You could basically have things like that lined up. Maybe it's not your best content, um, but just so you don't blank for a couple days and fall out in order to get that, that 30 days ramped up. And I imagine you need to keep it going then. Um, have some idea of some things that you could do if no other great ideas come to you each of those days. Right. And we have a, a social media calendar that helps you out with these things. So uh, there's certain dates that are significant, like National Hot Potato Day. And we have some advice in there, like how, what, so what am I supposed to do with National Hot Potato Day? Well, there's, I don't know if that's a real thing. It just popped into my mind, but that's <laughs> oh, uh, I bet that it would is. be cool. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much a national day of every every day. So we have all kinds of ideas there, like um, uh, you know, like a friendly Friday. Oh, that's obviously somebody right. you can you can be kind. You can say something good about, right? Uh, so the different ideas there with uh, with ideas how how you can connect them to your brand, uh, these dates and so on. So that's one way of doing it. Yeah, uh, National Hot Potato Day, by the way. It's a pretty heated one. 
not wow that was unintentional it's a pretty uh <laughs> it's a hot topic. i'll just go back there it's a hot topic uh here because i am very strongly in the sweet potato and yam camp and when people say hot potatoes and they leave out sweet potatoes and yam and they're just talking about like idaho potatoes i get upset um so there's a lot of traction around hot potato day is all i'm saying <laughs> see you can you can get an emotional response and that's the key yeah. Right. Yeah. Who are these monsters response. who don't eat yams? They eat yeah. a potato over a yam. It's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I think that's a good thing to go out on. Now, uh, let's get to one or two more things here for people. Um, is there anything that's video marketing? Kind of, it wasn't a thing because of cost for a long time. You didn't have platforms. Right. You didn't have companies like you guys to make it easy to get this stuff out there and produce it. And now, so now people's concerns around video marketing are about like, but how do I look on camera and stuff like that? In the past, it was just not an option to make your own right. videos because you're like, yeah, but how do I get them in front of, there's no way to get them in front of anybody. There's no way to record yeah. them and edit them and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of good. We've gotten down to these. These are our concerns now is, you know, does my hair look good? But what other, are, are there any other threats out there to video marketing? Is this something that's going to be, replaced by some other form of marketing that becomes convenient where it wasn't before? Is there any sort of regulation threats? Is, is there anything that's going to slow down, I guess, what we're doing with video marketing right now? Not at the moment. Uh, it doesn't, there was some talk about um, virtual reality that tend to fizzle out. It seems to be good for very narrow applications it's not really entered the mainstream. There was augmented reality that we're probably 10, 20 years away from that technology becoming something. Um, we're going to get some Star Wars marketers. holograms going on. So that's that was the, the vision of that technology, right? But it, it, we're not there yet, not in any practical sense. I don't so see it, an advantage to it over a video. Like, does it allow you to see anything you couldn't, you don't see better on a video to have a message? No, the idea, the idea there is not, not the fact that it's a hologram versus a video. The idea there is that it can interact with the environment you're in. Mm -hmm. So think of a video where you're, um, it adapts to the room you're in right now. There's a desk and some chairs and um, it appears that that person you're watching is not in a separate room, but here with you in this, and, and the engagement would be very different, right? So that's oh, a kind of you're talking about so augmented. He's sitting at, you know, yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, but that's and, science fiction at this point, right? It, it, it's where video was maybe 50 years ago or something like that, though. It's just the average yeah. company has no ability to even conceive starting to do it, right? It's not, I mean, there's some stuff in, I mean, iPhones have a little bit of it built in now and iPads, but it's it's just not practical for most of us. Uh, that's it. All right. Not and relevant. Any last things you want to give to people? Any last uh, advice, uh, do's, don'ts, that kind of stuff? Um, I would say, you know, first of all, don't, don't sweat it. Think of it as your job. So a lot of, uh, many times I hear, that people having a fear of doing video, getting on camera, et cetera. I overcame it by understanding it's my job. That's it. I need to do it because it's my job, not because I need to look good, not because I need to be a great actor, none of that. I need to do it because it's my job. 
So I do it. That's it. That's it. That's all there is to it. Um, I might not be the greatest video uh, presenter out there, but I, it's my job and I get it done and I get the results that I need to get. That's that. Um, and, and I would imagine yeah. you're a lot better than when you started. So people will think, oh, I'm not any good at this. You'll get better. Oh, I can't watch the stuff I've, I've done before. I just can't, I can't even look at it. It's, it's horrifying, isn't it? To go horrifying. back just one year and see yourself and you're like, oh, that was so terrible. And then you think, yeah. wait a second, a year from now, I'm going to be looking at what I'm doing right now and thinking how terrible it is. And that's forever true. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a forever journey. There is no point where you get to say, I know video. I do video well. I know it well. I have all the stuff I need. I will never need to improve anything. That is, will never happen. You're on a journey and that's it. So with no, no, no destination. Awesome. I think that's a great place to leave off. Um, I would say anybody who wants to find Daniel, um, that's Daniel Glickman on LinkedIn. Easy place to find him. Also the B2U podcast, um, cmoconfessions.com and wave.video. This is uh, the company that he's CMO at over there for all this video editing, sharing, management type stuff. Um, anything I've, I've left out you want to throw in there, Daniel? Oh, yeah. I'd love to uh, provide our uh, wonderful listeners here today with a, a coupon code exclusive to you. Uh, so if you go to wave.video and you like what you see, you can get 50% off the first year. Uh, so you just make sure to pick an annual plan and you can use the coupon code WXA underscore if you market. That's all capitals. W X A underscore if you market, and I'm sure and I'm sure Sky will put it in the show notes as well. Uh, so thank you for listening, and uh, I hope you uh, you got something out of it, and I hope you try out wave that video and and get something out of that too. Fantastic! You stole my line. Thank you for listening. Is what I say, Daniel. Come on. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, yeah. Check out the show notes if you uh, please share us on social media, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, on behalf of the If You Market team and Daniel Glickman of Wave.Video, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with video, they will come. Is your data company ignoring and gouging you or gouging and ignoring you? Those are the main reasons our customers move from the previous list provider, Mountaintop Data's top data search platform. What's Top Data Search? Well, with Top Data Search, you can search our database of 20 million plus business contacts and download lists with complete contact information. It's a convenient tool for both sales and marketing departments to get accurate lists. It's free to have an account. There's no annual contracts, no seat fees. Top Data Search is just easy access to accurate data. And when you reach out to us with questions, we actually give you answers. Visit topdatasearch.com and sign up for a free account with the coupon code IYM300 and get 300 free credits. Or if you're just curious, go to topdatasearch.com and run some searches on our open search tool, no account needed, by clicking the search now button. That's at topdatasearch.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.